Welcome to the Millennial Way. Real millennials, real success. This is how they did it. Tailoring the next generation of leaders. I'm proud to be your host, Chase Coleman. Y'all, what is up? Welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Way. I'm your host, Chase Coleman. And man, happy winning Wednesday. Y'all, seriously, I've been having many, many conversations with various corporate leaders, various entrepreneurs, and we're going to speak to a, another entrepreneur later on today, our serial entrepreneur, um, Simone McGee. She's just awesome. But these conversations have been awesome. I think the leaders are asking the right questions, uh, talking about, you know, personally, how are you doing? Personally, what do you want to see be enacted in change? Um, but also, we're seeing some change come about, y'all. I mean, look at what the protests have done. We've seen the whole defund the police uh, campaign come about and while it's not necessarily all about taking away all funds from the police, it's about reallocating the funds. And I think personally, that's an amazing campaign and amazing stance and something that we all need to be moving uh, towards. But secondarily, we're seeing reform happen right in front of our eyes and happen very, very quickly. So that all of that makes me optimistic, you know, taking the small change that we're seeing today, coupled with some amazing conversations that I've had with leaders, in terms of moving forward and just enacting change within our own small environment. So that way we can, you know, inflict a larger change. Because if you take all small impacts, you add them all together, you're going to end up having a large impact. And that's what we're, that's what the main goal is. And that's what we're moving towards today. And that makes me super optimistic. The other thing I want to talk about is the news and how we need to stop watching it. So my roommate and I have started watching the Patriot Act on Netflix, which is a it's a funny show. It's only 20 minutes. It's pretty informative, too. And he talks about the news and how the media is just always looking for clickbait. They're looking for another way to make a dime. And the other aspect of it is that they want to cause motivation between people or they want to use their headlines to make you mad about something and inevitably make you mad about something that another person is doing or something that other people are doing. And one thing that I had a friend send to me on YouTube was this, this YouTube video on one storylines and how when you only hear one storyline, it actually ends up shaping the picture for you personally in that one way. And that's it. So I think about when I went to Europe for the first time and a couple of my buddies were like, yo, you got to watch out for the pickpocketers. You got to watch out for the pickpocketers. So the entire time when I was in Europe, I had my hands in my pocket or I was constantly looking over my shoulder because I was nervous about pickpocketers. That was my one story for Europe. So if I had never been told about the pickpocketers, I never would have worried about people pickpocketing me. And frankly, no one ever got close enough to me to where they could have pickpocketed me or you know, if somebody bumped me, I probably would have pushed them or something of that sort. But if you think about it, I had an implicit bias going into Europe where I automatically assumed every single person was a pickpocketer and was going to pickpocket me. And that was the single story that I knew about Europe, not the history behind it, not how amazing the people were going to be that I met, not how cordial and genuine everybody was, but the worst part about it, pickpocketers. And I warn you guys about listening to one storylines and that kind of leads me into my next quick topic in Chaz, which is the Capitol Hill autonomous zone that I'm sure many of you have heard about. And it's been quite frustrating over the past, you know, week or two hearing from people 
and how they're telling me how crazy it is, you know, and I have amazing friends, amazing family who have been calling just out of curiosity to understand and seek to understand what Chaz is. But the most frustrating for me has been a couple of people have been reaching out and saying, oh, well, you got to stay safe because it looks like it's getting crazy out there. And you guys are under, you know, uh, an autonomy and, and all these different things. And I'm like, or an anarchy. And I'm like, what? An anarchy? And I'm looking at pictures that are being blasted from on the internet by different news outlets. And I'm like, these are photoshopped. These are all fake. The Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone is actually a standing protest that is supported by the mayor and the governor of, of Washington and the mayor of Seattle. Basically, what happened was it's in the same exact place that every single protest, not every single protest, but a lot of the protests were happening in Seattle. A lot of the protesters said, you know what, we're going to take a stance. We're going to stand here and we're just going to essentially camp here and we're just going to continue protesting until we start seeing some change. It just so happened to be outside of a police precinct, the downtown Seattle police precinct. And I don't think that that was by chance. I think it was set up that way on purpose, which honestly makes a lot of sense. And the mayor and the governor said, all right, police, you guys got to leave where you're at because they are protesting. They're going to continue protesting and they have a right to their First Amendment. So it's not a place where people are taking over an anarchy and there's a bunch of terrorists and a bunch of people are kind of taking advantage of businesses all around there. The businesses are open and the businesses are supporting the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. It's actually been rebranded to CHOP, which is now the Capitol Hill original protest, which is exactly what it is. But the media has glorified this to be one way or the other, where it's a hippie love fest or an anarchy. And what I would tell you is that you guys, we all, not just you guys, but myself included, need to start seeking to understand rather than just seeking to put blame or like we already know all the ins and outs of the story. The truth of the matter is that we don't. We need to just sit back. We need to understand all the facts that are going on. And frankly, I mean, I read many different news publications to try to see what I could get the facts from. I also talk to people inside that city and other things of that sort. And I would encourage you guys to do the same. Don't be afraid of the Capitol Hill original protest or Capitol Hill autonomous zone. It's not as crazy. It's not as, you know, under fire as the news makes it seem. But, you know, that all kind of leads me into switching gears and getting into our our interview. Today we have Simone McGee, McGee y'all, who has talked to us multiple times before. We've had her on um, on the podcast in just a couple seasons before. And she is our serial entrepreneur. I mean, I, I absolutely love this girl. I adore Simone. She takes care of me when I go to Chicago. She is absolutely I mean, just intelligent beyond measures. And this girl has broken through all barriers to become the entrepreneur that she wants to be. She's currently in an accelerator program, which we'll she will speak to us about just shortly. But you know what, guys? That's enough of me ranting. Stop watching the dang news. Seek for facts. And let's hear what Simone has to say about her journey through this accelerator program. And y'all, we got one of my good friends, the girl who gives me the most shit, but I also dish <laughs> it back every once in a while. I am so happy to welcome back Simone McGee from, I mean, shoot, she was just on on season three. So Simone, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us again today. I'm super pumped to be back to my favorite podcast. So obviously I'm like jumped at the chance when you're like, can you come back? I'm like, yes, I will update you on my life immediately. 
<laughs> I love that. Well, and today's episode is all about catching up with Simone. I mean, the people loved you. I love you <laughs> every once share. in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could call you that for just today only. Right, um, okay. But Simone, last time we talked to you, you were just talking about your company, Dress Downs, which right. continues to do fantastic. I think- Yep. A couple months ago, we were talking about you are on back order, which is a good but bad thing at the same time mm-hmm. because so many people continue to buy it. But at the same time, that's just more work on your end. And then you're also right. dealing with production, all those different things of being an entrepreneur. But I know you're on another venture right now working on yep. Mind1990. And I believe that's the name. Could you take us a little bit through that and also how you transitioned or how you still continue to operate with dress downs and this Mind1990? Yeah, sure. So I'll uh, dress downs in my 1990 kind of like weave together. So let me explain. So dress downs, like you said, I I was like running, running that um, ran into production, things like that. And that's just stuff you kind of learn from doing about how to, you know, source your materials and when they're going to come in and allowing enough time. So you get things like back orders, which is like you said, a good problem to have. Um, But you know, I was like, you know what, I'm just taking too much time running the business to business side. You know, the business to consumer side is really sustained by Amazon. Like Amazon is clutch. I know they have their drawbacks to people about, you know, the founder, but at the end of the day, they're able to put me in front of so many eyeballs um, that I don't necessarily grab from my site. So they very much handle the business to consumer side. Once I send my inventory to them, I just look, literally go in, look at the metrics. I, I very rarely ship myself on Amazon unless I'm back ordered because there's no inventory in the warehouse to fulfill. Um, so I was like, you know, I need to start looking at different sales groups because there's sales reps that do that, right? Like they'll take your product, they'll put it into stores. And I was like, let me start looking at sales reps groups that do that will handle the business to business because it's not my strongest point. My strongest point isn't the marketing, public relations, business to consumer. You know, I landed them in Bed Bath and Beyond. I kind of want to grow that business side, but there are people who are way better at this, who already have the connections. And so I really was like, okay, I'm going to give it up to not give it up, but I'm going to let a company, a sales rep group company, actually based on Seattle, they run the business to business side for me now. So I get to like sit back and relax And with that kind of freedom that I have now that I'm not out there trying to like send emails to Walmart, send emails to Target, going back and forth. Now that I have that freedom, I was kind of like thinking, okay, what's my next idea? My mom's like, okay, that's great. What's next? You know, there's no such thing like entrepreneurs. You never, it's never just one thing. It's, it's addictive to make your own money your own way. I'm not going to lie. You know, cause you have a lot of say and I have a lot of control because it's my business. So um, it kind of led me to my 1990, which um, is my next business venture. I guess you say it's a service. It's different. Okay. Um, it's not a product. Dress Downs is a product. And so now I'm going to kind of the service side, which is really exciting, but also very nerve wracking because it takes a lot of capital and a lot of money. It's not something I can bootstrap. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and the services industry is going to continue to grow, right? Right. And that's one thing that we were just talking about before we even start recording is just the fact that people are going to continue to want more and more services and need less and less goods, right? Right. And that's just kind of like how the industry is moving nowadays. But when you talk about bootstrapping versus needing some actual capital, when you started Dress Downs, you bootstrapped the hell out of that one, right? Yeah. You had your PR job working with the with the Chicago Bulls and then you left that went out on a on a whim to well 
a whim to others, not to you. Right, right. A calculated exactly. risk. Right? I like that. Yeah. Well, it's, it. it's true, right? Like certain people just don't understand how entrepreneurs think and how they can have so many different thoughts and how they could think so quote unquote irrationally when in reality, right. like to you, it's rational. It's a rational decision. And who am I to fault you for ever making a decision and a decision that proved to be successful, right? So looking back on it, it's right. like, who, who the hell am I to say anything about that? But you talked about bootstrapping and then you also talked about going into the finance or going into the services industry and how you need financing to help you get that off of the ground. What do you what do you mean exactly by like bootstrapping first off? And then second off, can you help us understand like what the differences are between the two and how you're approaching both different both businesses a little bit differently? Yeah. So bootstrapping, if someone's bootstrapping, kind of like pull yourself up by the bootstraps when you start a business, you're taking your own money, the biggest risk, you know, you're pulling out your savings, you're throwing all of your own money at it. Um, Some people consider that when you do angel kind of round that that's bootstrapping as well, because, you know, if you hit up your friend, like, hey, if you give me five grand, I'll let you in early. Um, But that you're going in knowing you're going to raise more. Um, but some people don't do that. But for me, I just knew with this new venture of mind that I can't just put money into this, my own money, because it's going to take so much money. And if I want to do it right and I want to do it correct and I want it to really make an impact that I have to take on outside investments, there's kind of like no way around that. When you think about all the technology and the back end that it's going to need in the back and forth for me to do that myself, it would just instead of getting, let's say, instead of accomplishing the goal within, you know, a year and getting it off the ground, it would take me three years just because it's so much, uh, you know, capital that I need. And so bootstrapping is kind of out of the question. I've done bootstrapping. I want to give up that kind of like worry because it is when you're bootstrapping, I'm just, I'm blessed enough not to have any kids or a mortgage that I need to pay. But when you think about all the companies that bootstrapped, you know, major brands that bootstrap companies themselves, they put their families in really big financial, you know, potentially dangerous situations. Like you're taking a gamble with your own money. And I told myself, you know, that was, it gave me like anxiety, heart attacks. It's just nerve wracking. And I don't want to do that again. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to get some capital. I'm going to apply to some accelerator programs. I'm going to get this done. Um, And, you know, there's some really great accelerated programs out there. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to apply. And so, yeah. And for those that don't know what an accelerated program is, it's, they help you. Like you tell them your idea, they give you cash and they help, they want to see you succeed. And so I'm like, this is perfect for my idea. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I know that some colleges, um, yeah, enough have some accelerator programs. They do. MBA programs have accelerator programs. Um, I think my brother was at, man, I might butcher this and he might kill me for saying it, but, uh, he was at like a think tank, uh, down yeah. in Texas. And it's basically where you get to go pitch your ideas and then companies will, I say, steal them. He says, take them and run with them. And then I'll <laughs> credit to it. I'm like, I, I think that they're stealing uh, them. That sounds like yeah. a steal. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they do give you like a monetary award, but that's, I mean, it just sounds like something that is, is pretty easily accessible. Right. And I mean, right. when we were talking about this earlier, you were saying like they started off with like 50 applicants or it, way more than that. No, and then they, they start off with thousands and then they narrow it down to probably because I could see from the sign up that they've clearly gotten more because you had to sign up for the second round interview. And I could see that, oh, like, you know, there's not that many slots left to sign up, but knowing how many admissions they get, you can kind of see. And so 
Now I'm going to hear back for the third round. And then if you get through the third round, they kind of have this, the one I signed up for is called generator out in um, um, Madison. And they do kind of white glove approach because they're so, they only select five companies, you know, they help you boost it by giving you a hundred thousand dollars. And then they handle every aspect of your business and they take about 7%. So, I mean, that's a great, if you're going to start a company, I got to say, it's not bad at all if you're going to take that risk, Um, especially on a business model that I know is possible to, you know, become huge. But there's just so many more risks that I'm going to face that I I would need professionals that know that industry. So, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And it's it's like not only are you going to get the capital and I think this is almost exactly what you just said, but you're getting the capital from them to help get the business off the ground and running. But you're also having their expertise within the industry. Yeah and within businesses in general, right? Like you can't fault somebody who's older than us and has just a lot of general business experience to have more experience than us. That's why you go to them for advice. That's why you go to these accelerator programs because not only do I need your money, but I also need your your help. Wisdom, yeah, I need your wisdom. Exactly, and I need your guidance, right? And I might not need your help making every single decision because at the end of the day, this is still my business and Mm -hmm. you you own 7%, I own 93%. So a lot of my say still is what we're going to be doing. But at the same time, I'm gonna need your guidance and direction to help us understand where we're going and also what roadblocks we could see ahead because we're gonna have to break through those eventually in order to become and and see that success that we wanna see. And I think that's one thing also that, I just said this is kind of, I'm bringing this all full circle is them allowing you to see these roadblocks ahead that you don't necessarily see all the time. Right. And I'm sure you saw this multiple times, uh, you know, if not in the year weekly with dress downs is that you see all these, you run into all these roadblocks that you're like, Holy shit. I was just blindsided. I had no idea that that was going to happen. Right. And these advisors, for example, like I watch a lot of shark tank, Um, (laughs) I'm sure you could see me sit down literally watching Shark Tank in the middle of the night. Like I was up this past weekend at dang 2 a.m., woke up and was like (laughs) wired. You know how when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're just like, oh, holy crap, I am wide awake. Um, I'm going to watch Shark Tank. (laughs) I was like, you know what? There are new episodes of Shark Tank. I'm going to tune into that. Um, (laughs) And side, side little funny note, when I first started at Starbucks, the people who founded – Oh, wow. Now I'm Oh, Bantam Bagels. Bantam Bagels. That was, so they were at my office like three weeks after I started. And I was telling people on my team, they were like, tell us something unique about you, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I'm a big Shark Tank fan, right? Like I didn't really have much unique to say. At least I didn't think I did. And um, anyways, they were in our office with Lori Grenier. And I was so excited that I faked that I had to go to the bathroom. So like (laughs) somebody on my team came over and they're like, Chase, the owners of Bantam Bagels, they're like walking towards our bathroom. Like you should walk over there in like two minutes. And I was like, okay, cool. So like a couple minutes goes by, <laughs> I go over there and I start walking by and I'm like, oh my God, you guys are the owners of Bantam Bagels. So I acted like, total fanboy, total fanboy. And then I was like, would you guys mind if I get like a selfie with you? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So I take a selfie. I'm pumped, right? Like at this time, I'm actually going to pee my pants. So I do have to go to the bathroom. And they're like, hey, do you want to meet Lori? Like Lori's over here oh, in this hallway so cool. like, by herself. But listen to this. You know what my dumbass said? No, I'm good. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> I was so excited that I met them that I literally was like, I'm the not actual shark like, on the show. And yeah, right. The person who gave them the money, who was there to be their advisor, their lead, their their the person who helped them grow their business from 
and just you're a like, small no, little shop in New York Thank to you. getting a deal with yeah, getting a deal with dang Starbucks. I was like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not worried about meeting her. I just want to, I, I just want to meet you guys. <laughs> I like your bagels. That's funny. Good lord. Um, yeah, yeah, you missed was, the mark on that one. I, you're telling me. You're telling but yeah, me. Yeah, that like to have someone, you know, Shark Tank is great because. It's the honestly, the reason you're paying a premium is because their advice, their leadership of that like time that they've spent over decades of knowledge that you can't get unless you do it. And those roadblocks are just gone. Like a lot of the the accelerator programs, like the one I applied for is 12 weeks in the summer. I have to stop what I'm doing. I have to move for 12 weeks because they want me to focus on them. They're like, we're going to give you the capital. So what else do you need to be focused on? Because that's how much they believe in it, um, which is huge. And, you know, schools and programs have that. And I encourage people, I wish, you know, my school did not necessarily, we went to the same school, Stetson, but they didn't blend I wouldn't say that the, 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 the school of business and arts as communications, I did not have classes in there until like my third year of college. And, you know, it just, the schools don't overlap and there could be huge opportunities for, you know, someone who has an idea from the music school to be pitching to the business school, but you know, you never really see that kind of integration. And so the fact that more schools are doing like these accelerator programs and are having these competitions of like ideas, I'm just like so envious because, you know, I thought about going back to school. I'm like, let me try to get, get into Wharton or like Harvard. Cause then they'll just fund my ideas. Cause it's they believe cool. in you. Like, that's amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm not going, I'm not going back to school. <laughs> Listen, no, first off, I get that. <laughs> I yeah, totally get no. that. But I, and I, I do think it's cool, right? Like you look at schools like Wharton, you look at like Harvard Business School and you look at some of the other Ivy League schools, some other just big uh, colleges just in general, and they are funding these accelerator programs and also funding like entrepreneurship majors. And I think it's sweet. I'm like, I am envious of it, to be honest with you. I yeah. think, you know, I love Stetson, absolutely love Stetson to death, but they gave all of their time and money into the finance program. Absolutely. And, we turn, we, and Stetson turn, turns and churns some great Wall Street guys. I mean, yeah. you look at the alumni you know, in New York and they all live on Wall Street or work on Wall Street and they're all doing fantastic, which is great. But that also goes to show like whatever it is that you invest in yourself is inevitably what you're going to get out of it. Yeah. And not saying that we made a wrong choice going to Stetson in any way, shape or form. But people who are going to college, looking at their MBA program, looking outside of, you know, just school in general, it's like there are things out there that can help set you up for success. For example, this accelerator program, if there was a college student who was graduating, who had a great idea and set up a, you know, relatively good business model and was able to go through this accelerator program or a accelerator program of its, of its sort get through all the final rounds, he ends up winning, he or she ends up winning. Next thing you know, they're doing the same exact thing, but they're starting off their career starting a business. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like their first what their first 11, 12 weeks that they're living, they're living, you know, wherever it is that this this group is HQ and they are focused on running yeah. and, and setting up this business. And I think it's sweet. And that's where my next question for you, Simone, is like, what is it like going through this accelerator program? Right? Like it's a yeah. you've been removed from college a couple of years. You just went, you know, you bootstrapped the business. You literally were in the weeds of it. You had to do, you know, what I like to call like your up top work, the high level work. You were doing the yeah. strategy for it, figuring out up how top to distribute. and low. <laughs> yeah, you, you were literally the top and the bottom of the total right. pool. Like the total exactly. pool, 
whole, right? So how how has your mindset kind of changed into getting ready for this accelerator program? And then also, how would you say like, you know, your preparation and just getting ready for it? Like, could you just give us an overall understanding of it? Yeah, so I applied to a few accelerator programs um, so far. I mean, they're, they're really helpful, but each one, you're a lot of them, they're taking really big alumni and they're making decisions and they want to be a part of it. Um, and so it's really tedious because I don't know if you've ever made a pitch deck, but it, depending where you are, like mind is pre-revenue. Um, and so that you, if you're pre-revenue, you have to say what your other strengths are. Like who is your yeah. team made up? They look heavily at, okay, what's the team consist of? What's your plan once you get this money? And so you have to really be in so intentional with what you share with them. Um, so the first two rounds, you know, each round I'm sharing more and more about kind of the company. And then the last one, they kind of, you know, I showed them the spending breakdown. I got really good advice. They're like, I don't know if you should have that, you know, what about this? Have you considered that? And so they definitely want to like they want to see you succeed because the more you succeed, the more they make money, obviously. Um, but a lot of them are a lot of them who are looking at them are, you know, entrepreneurs or have been in that life. And so they're giving back advice. They're telling, you know, things like that. So which is very helpful, even if they don't select me and I go to a different accelerator program. Um, but, yeah, it's really the, the forms are so tedious. Like they, you know, it's just stuff. I actually I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, when is this going to air? Just in case. <laughs> but I, the form. Could, this won't air until like May or June. Oh, perfect. Okay. So I can say this because I'll already yeah, either yeah. buy it or right dinner. I got to run to the, I got to run to the bathroom real quickly. My bat, bladder's about to blow. Perfect. Also, I meant to tell you, I didn't quit the Bulls. I was like, oh, you're going to have an op. It was, uh, I was in an innovations firm before I like did dress okay. downs. All right. I'll have okay, I'll go, go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. Sorry, I've been trying to stay hydrated as I stay corona free. What'd you say? I've been trying to stay hydrated as I stay corona free. <laughs> nice, smart. <laughs> I know I actually Wait, need what, to re-up. Um, tell me that again. You said um you didn't quit the bulls, you quit what it was a, Sir, um, I was at an innovations firm. Okay. So we were like making ideas and stuff like that. But um but yeah, I've I haven't been at the Bulls in for like years, like five years, six years. All right, I'll make sure to make that change. Um, don't want them getting free clout from me. No, no, no free, no free clout over here. Not the, not the people's champ. 
Yeah, nah, 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 nah. Nice try, guys. They're like, oh, yeah, she was with this from the bottom. Like, yeah, nice try. Nah, no, 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 no. Peace out, bulls. <laughs> um, but let's see. I was saying, when does this come out? Okay, so um, the, accelerator, the accelerator program that I'm currently in the going into the third round of evaluation, um, <laughs> I didn't even, they sent me a reminder, like, hey, finish your you know, sheet. And I was kind of like, you know, like, I'm still like tossing this idea around. I didn't know how much, you know, room I needed to give for it to kind of like breathe and live because I'm still just kind of working it out. So I started the application. I didn't complete the application. I'm going to say like, I was supposed to send in like a minute video. And I was like, nah, I, you know what, let me wait till because as an entrepreneur, you kind of like, you do want things to be perfect because you want to be taken seriously. And at the time I was like, no, I'm not going to finish the application. I, you know, I'll, I'll do it in another few months. But apparently their system, once you're in, you're in. Like once you enter your information, it sends it off into to them. And so they're like, hey, we want to ask you to come in for the first. And I was like, whoa, like I hadn't even finished it. Comp- I finished probably, like, <laughs> let's say like, I finished like 98%, but I thought that was really telling that they were like, whoa, she clearly skipped questions, but we want her so that that felt really good uh, but yeah so finish your application that's crazy <laughs> um because now i'm on the verge of like they could pick me and i'm like i didn't even finish application and you know so that feels good to kind of and it gave me that validation of like no your idea is you know thought-provoking it could work and there's a model there um but yeah so that's sweet well that's crazy though i mean like so i have this one guest who came on earlier um, Jordan Paris, and he's a TEDx speaker. Yeah, and I saw. Yeah, he is. He's one of the same, like, like both of us. I would say, where when it comes down to presenting and getting ready for presentations, you know, if it's not a really, really big presentation, the amount of preparation is pretty minimal, right? Like, yeah, you're not going back and reviewing your deck twenty times. You pretty much know all your talking points, and if you miss a couple of those talking points, it's okay because the the conversation is still going to go very smoothly, right? Right. But he was talking to me about how he's preparing for his TEDx conversation or yeah, conversation is what I call it. And just in the fact that like he had to go through this application process and how rigid it was and how it actually changed up his presentation like completely almost and how it kind of flipped it on its head and made him think so differently about it. And it was because of these rigid application you know, process checkpoints that he had to go through, like submitting an outline and submitting all these different things leads me to ask you, like, would you say that having to go through such a rigid process where, you know, once you're in, you're in and you got to finish the application just then and you end up skipping maybe a couple questions or two because you're like, wow, this shit's taking forever. Has that, (laughs) has that changed your approach at all when going to these accelerator programs? Or would you say like, you're still kind of keeping the same thought process throughout it all. And the application has just become more, a little bit more tedious than it actually has become a little bit more helpful. It, I mean, once you, the thing, they're asking important questions, right? Like, you know, you mentioned he had those TED questions. Those are like, they're important questions that need to be answered. And I had to answer them eventually. And it's better that they are asked at the start. You know what I mean? Because then I already have the answer for them. So I'd rather have the questions asked me at the beginning of, you know, rather than the end. Because if you ask me for the end, and then I'm stumbling or I don't have the answers, that's going to make me look, you know, not as great. But if they're asking me like, okay, what are our margins? What, what are being your costs for goods? Do you see 
you know, DC is fluctuating. What models are you following? I'm like, boom, 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 boom. And so I was glad that they, you know, it was tedious. I finished like 98%. But now each round I go, I'm really like refining and like answering these questions so much so that the last round, when it came to the Q&A, they had, we had like about a 30 minute slot. I could only speak for about seven minutes. And then the rest was for questions. He's like, you know, you know, you did so well. You've answered every question that I was going to ask you. So he was like, so, you know, I kind of, that's great. And that's a positive, like to finish a presentation and necessarily like they understand the idea um, that that's great. And so, which gave me a great, he's like, you know, that was perfect. That was really good. So fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I think it was better. It was tedious, but I think it was better for me in the long run, even though it didn't feel like it. I'm like, I don't want to crunch numbers. Math's not my strong point, but they really wanted to see a thoughtful business plan. And in the long run, I could, I could use this like 20, 60, you know, so many companies, you can go on hundreds before you ever get a deal in terms of like venture capitalists. So, you know, what, what's the big deal if I crunch numbers now? Cause I'm gonna have to do it eventually. Someone's going to ask to see the numbers. There's no way around it. Um, and so for me, I was like, yeah, let's just get it over with. So, I love but, that. yeah. No, I love that. And one thing that I think that's important that you said in there was the fact that you started refining, right? And your presentation, and you probably noticed this, you know, looking back on your your last couple of rounds is that not only have you refined it, but it's gotten a lot sharper and more concise. Oh, yeah. Right? Straight to the point. It's like, boom, 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 boom. And that was, I would say the most shocking thing for me coming into corporate America was how many times I had a turnover deck, right? And when you were working at that innovation firm, I'm sure you had to do the same thing where you were working on a deck over and over and over again. And at times it feels like it's tedious where you're like, shit, like how many more times can I look at this? And how many more times can I move this box to be this box and this box to be this box? And how many, how many more times can I take the out of the sentence and stuff of that sort? (laughs) But when you actually end up getting down to that final presentation, you're like, oh my God, this is so much better. And you feel so much more confident about it. And not only like does going over it kind of help you understand the what's behind it a little bit better, right? Like understand the depth of what you're presenting. But to your point, it refines it to a point where it's like almost perfect. And then you nail every part of your presentation because you know every detail going on in that presentation. And then when people have questions and you know, for you, this is rare because you kill every presentation, but for people like me, they still have, they still have questions. Um, but you're able to hit on all those questions because you're like, Oh, I did have that in this slide, but I took it out. But now that that person's asking this question, I know the answer to it. So, Oh, what's two plus two? Oh, that equals four because I had a slide too. Right. Like it, it ends up becoming that easy. And that's one thing that I absolutely love about, you know, the fact that you had to go through this process. I've had to learn throughout my own, you know, career journey, Jordan mentioned it as well. Like we all have our different times where we have to learn that just because we're good procrastinators, right? And just because <laughs> we're good at it, just because I can, I could crank out a five page paper in an hour and I'm not going to do it until 1045 because I need to submit it at midnight and it's only right. going to take me an hour. And I know that That's I need 15 minutes to make sure my name's yeah. on it. It's not sustainable, right? And that was something I had to learn with this podcast was that I needed to be more planful. I needed to be like on top of my calendar, except I messed up a couple times with you. Um, <laughs> corona. And, and I just, you know what corona. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Literally living in the, in the middle of Corona, but at the same time, like being planful doesn't only help you, but it is only going to excel you. I would say. Yeah. There's, just, yeah. There's no such thing as being overprepared. And I used to gawk at that phrase like, okay, but I was like, you know, what? I don't even think I told you what exactly mine is. And I could literally 
verbatim crank out a 60 second my intro to my pitch that I have to do right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, be- I believe it. I mean, that's the one thing that like, you know, I I have two sayings right now that I'm about to say, and one's from Howard Behar, who was the founding president of Starbucks. And he said that luck is where opportunity and preparation meet, right? Where it's like, okay, so I've been preparing my entire life for this one opportunity. It may never come about, but I'm ready for it at that one chance that it comes about. And then next thing you know, that, that opportunity comes about and you're like, shit, how lucky am I? But right. reality, it's like you were prepared for that opportunity and you were ready, so you killed it. But yeah. people who aren't prepared look at that opportunity. They're like, damn, I can't believe I let that opportunity go by. Dang, I can't believe I let Lori Grenier walk by and didn't even say hi to her. Like, Literally, I was not prepared that day. I, was, <laughs> I wasn't prepared that day. I had no idea they were going to be in the office. Had I known, I would have had a selfie stick. I would have had my phone on camera all day and I would have been stalking those people. <laughs> <laughs> but my other saying goes, and it goes back to the preparedness, is that you know, five piece, six piece, whatever you want to call it. But prior planning prevents poor performance. Or as my football coaches used to say, prior planning prevents piss poor performance. And that's just, again, goes back to the, it goes back to the same saying is like, you know, luck is opportunity and preparation or where luck and opportunity meet luck where preparation and opportunity meet Jesus chase. Um, (laughs) But like, if you don't plan and if you don't prepare for things and you're never going to be as good as you want, no, and never. it just, it just brings like utter disappointment at, at the end of the day. And I just, I have like so many examples and I'm sure you do too, where it's like, you didn't prepare for something because you were overly confident in it. And like, I'll say for like a job, for example, I did prepare and I was like, I'm going to go into this interview and I'm going to kill it because I'm Chase Coleman. I know what I'm doing and I, I got this. And then next thing you know, the most humbling thing is finding out that you either don't move on to the next interview rounds or that you didn't get the job. And you're like, well, what the, actually, I can't blame them because I didn't prepare for this. Yeah. And and the fault ultimately goes back on you. And the last thing you want is to have that, like, you know, that regret inside yourself where you're like, damn, if I just would have prepared for this a little bit more, then it would have worked better. But anyways, preparation is key. Yeah, it is. It only, yeah, I agree. (laughs) It'll only help you at the end of the day. Like, like you said, like, it's it's never going to hurt you. And this, when you're talking to venture capitalists, they are going to ask you so many questions and they want answers. And if you're not prepared there, no one is cutting you a check. I can just like tell you, like your idea is only going to get you so far until they're like, okay, we want to hear hardcore numbers or we want to hear what you think or what you're, they literally are like, okay, what is your plan? And you cannot in this kind of like industry, I guess you say of entrepreneurship, not ever have a plan because that it can only get you so far. If you don't have a plan, no one's going to believe it. Like believe in your idea till it's fullest potential. I should say everyone has to have a plan. Um, and if you don't have a plan, you need to get, find someone that, you know, is just a good BSer and can help you. (laughs) I mean, it's true, right? Like I, we talked about shark tank a little bit earlier. And I think the one thing that a lot of people don't realize about shark tank is People who quote unquote like make deals on the show, they they don't always come to fruition, right? Like there's actual like conversations behind the the show that also happen between Mark Cuban and you know Lori Grenier and Barbara Corcoran and Robert Hatch, all those guys that happen with the entrepreneurs that they make deals with, and then it's like, and I don't know exactly what goes on. I've never been in one of those conversations, but these are just rumors. Um, 
but from what I've heard is that they actually talk, get down to like, well, what are the nitty gritty numbers? What's your three year, five year, 10 year plan? How are you going to grow this? And how are you going to help me make my money back? Right. If right. I'm going to only be owning 7% of your business, Simone, or if I'm only going to be owning 10% of a business, I need to make tenfold of the business needs to make tenfold of what it's making today in order for me to get my, get my return on what I'm giving you today. Right. Yeah. So how are you going to let me get there? Because this is a long-term investment. This isn't something that I'm looking at that I know I'm going to get my return tomorrow. Would it be awesome if this went viral and I got my return tomorrow? Absolutely. Is that my <laughs> expectation? Absolutely not. Right. Yeah. They want to build a sustainable business model that not only pays them out within the next however long, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, but they wanted to pay them out for the rest of their lives. Right. Like right. these guys look at it as a part of their portfolio and they're like, this is my stock investment, right? People like like you and I who sit in our, our salary ranges, I would say, we look at stocks at, or in 401ks and things of that sort as a investment in our long-term, right? Like for retirement. Right. But these types of people who have this type of money, this is this is their life. They're like, all I do is I invest in businesses and I make sure that they grow. Right. And Which I just is- want to help you succeed. Right. You'll never, I will say that like there is, there's so much risk when you take on outside capital that you do not have when you own a company by yourself because they are expecting you to perform, like you said. And so, but at the same time, they do want to see you succeed because like I said, the more you succeed, the more money you make. And so definitely by not bootstrapping, I'm giving up so many comforts of decisions that I would always make by myself. I'm kind of giving that up for the money, but the way in which I'll be able to grow with these people who are, like you just said, they're like well-connected, like this is their bread and butter. You know, they know what kind of roadblocks I'll hit. Like that, to me, that is such an exponential gain of what I'm giving up. Sure, I can't, you know, work from home in pajamas on some days anymore, like I want to, but like in the ultimate goal, like if you're running like, you know, a multi-million dollar company, who really cares? Like, cool. You have to put on pants down, go into an office, big whoop. Welcome. You yeah. know, that's just but something you have to do, but it's still your company. That's the thing too. If you own the majority, I mean, there are so many companies that get, I don't think I'll ever get to that point. You know, I'm saying this now, fingers crossed where it becomes, you know, a battle between me and, you know, investors, there are so many horror stories. I would say I have people give up, you know, big portions of their company um, and, you know, get pushed out later on. The guy who created JetBlue, perfect example, um, he had to go over to Brazil and literally make his own airline company because JetBlue pushed him out, which is crazy when you think of like the CEO of JetBlue got pushed out of his own company. But if it can happen to someone on that grand of a stage, assume that it could happen to you. So I'm definitely going to be cautious when I take on, you know, outside funding, as they say, that's always in the back of my mind to maintain control um, and really not give up the decision-making skills because I want to build a company that I've always wanted to work at. And so that's the ultimate goal. Um, So, yeah. And I love that. And you're working towards your dream, right? And you're, you're doing a damn good job at it, right? Like I get to watch from the side. Business number two. Yes. Yeah, not too bad. I've gone to business number two. (laughs) Not too bad at all. And I just had you on the podcast less than a year ago. And, you know, the amount of growth that's happened in that amount of time is tremendous. And I'd say by both of us. And like the one thing that you mentioned a little bit earlier that I want to continue, I just want to bring this back up is the fact that you look at these guys and I'm saying guys and I mean everyone, right? Guys and gals, you know me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would say like not only one are you getting to tap into their network, which I tell people this all the time. If you want to work in the tech industry, if you want to work in the retail industry, if you want to work in the CPG industry, whatever industry it is that you want to work in, 
go meet people that work in that industry, go to a meetup, go to a networking event, go talk to people in there because they're the ones who are going to be able to get you that job. Right. And for you, you're not looking for a job. You're looking for help with your jobs. Right. And it's like, Hey guys, like I'm not going to offer you anything of dress downs because that is all mine and it is sustainable and it's going, but I got this cool thing called mind 1990 and I, I'm going to need your help with it. Yeah. And you're going to be able to say you go through this accelerator program. And by the time this podcast um, post, we'll already know the outcome of it, which the people right. heard about earlier, but say you go through it and you don't end up getting it. The one thing that you said earlier was that not only are they, these advisors giving me feedback on, you know, like my idea and stuff like that, that's going to be helpful for me moving forward with them if I am to win this accelerator program. But they're also giving me feedback that's going to be helpful if I go to other accelerator programs. And right. it's that that wisdom that we talked about earlier and also just the fact that they're being truthful because they're like, we want to see you succeed. It may not be my dollars that I'm going to be risking. But if somebody else risks their dollars, like I can at least say that like I helped you along your journey. Yeah. Right. I may not have a financial like play into that. But the empathetic aspect of like just being a human in general, like people like to see others succeed because it makes them feel good and it makes them feel like they had a part of it. Yeah, and these, absolutely. These people are going to look at you and they're going to be like, damn, you know, now I, I have a hard time believing anybody's not going to give you the dollars, but that's just my Hopefully. personal bias. That's my own personal bias. <laughs> I will but, say, yeah, it does. I will say if there's anything people can do to kind of like pad their the VC money is a lot of times people go to business schools, those big business schools we just talked about, your Harvard, your Northwestern is it, they, the creator of all birds went there. Warren, the creators of Warby Parker went there. Like there's so many. So if you are not going to go to a big school, you to up your chances is be show them that you have an entrepreneurship bone in your body. Be like, yeah. Oh, I had a business before because they're, definitely going to take more of a risk and be like, all right, she gets it. So. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I would say like, to your point, Simone, it's like just showing that you've been scrappy and also been able to figure yeah. it out. Right. Like I think the one thing that we don't do ourselves justice for is that we don't give ourselves enough credit. And that was the one thing that like my mom uh, crazy enough taught me going through like the job interview process was when I was preparing for like internships and stuff like that, like I was going through it by myself, I was practicing with friends and I thought I had it down. And then when I was talking to my mom, I'll never forget like sitting in her room, laying down on the floor and she was like, okay, but tell me more Chase. Like, tell me why you thought like this. Tell me why you did this. Tell me why you got through there. Like, I have to get to know you more. Like, that's cool that you were able to accomplish this, 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 and this. You check off all the check boxes, but like, I don't know you. Like you're just giving me a quick summary of, of who you are and what you're doing. Right? Your mom was, was dropping like truth bombs. Oh, truth bombs. But if I, I like, I cannot thank that woman enough for helping me out because now I know I don't even need to call her when I prepare for interviews. Yeah. <laughs> she, gave really you everything. she gave me everything. And I still do call her when I'm about to get ready for an interview. Cause I'm like, Hey, I need a little bit of help. Cause I think I got this down, but I'm not really sure. And she gives me real solid feedback. I mean, she hires people all the time. Right. But like, to that point, it's getting to know your why and getting to know like and understanding yourself. And I would say that just like the fact that you've been able to. You'll find it. I've been forgetting a lot of shit today. Corona. Yeah, well, I've been fucking up at work. This shit was fucking me up today. Um Oh, but it's just the fact that you've been able to really, truly show that like 
you understand your journey. And then also like when you're speaking to these people, you've shown that you you've been able to go through entrepreneurship at its finest, right? Like my first business dress downs, I bootstrapped it up and I had to learn how to quick, quickly pivot. And I had to learn how to deal with big vendors and also deal with, you know, and working in business to business. I've never worked in business to business before. Like I'm making that up. It's just things of that sort. Like you're showing that not only are you capable of leading a business and, and, bring it literally from ground zero to, you know, wherever it's at today and, and it being successful to bringing that back to your skill set of like, I could just figure it out. I may not know all the answers today, right. but I'm an entrepreneur and I got that skill set of figure it the fuck out. And I really will go do that. And that's, that's who I am. I'm Simone. And if you, I may not have that big warden or eight or Harvard business school degree, but at the same time, I got the, the, Yeah, Yeah, I got the experience. And I also have the mindset and the motivation and ambition to be better than that. And that's where I was kind of getting at was just the fact that like, you you took it and you twisted it. And you're like, all right, I'm going to these accelerator programs. And I still have these great skills that I've learned over the past four years, five years, six years, rather than actually going back to school. You know what I mean? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they they see that. (laughs) I think I think they will. And if they don't, then somebody else will because it's just, I mean, it, it, it's you through and through. So how can somebody not see that? Thank you, Chase. Thank you. I of need to course. bring you around to be my hype man for while I'm feeling down. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. Like that comes with the entrepreneur territory. You start to doubt yourself. You know, you don't have a team. You don't have a boss to answer to who's like, you're going to do great. You really have to pat yourself on the back and kind of like take each day at a time because you don't have people to rely on, which is, a you know, a blessing and a curse. So. Absolutely. And I would say that's where like having a good friend group comes in into play too. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like, strong family, strong friend group. Um, I would just say having a small circle. I have a couple buddies who I celebrate small wins with, right? Like things for the millennial way. I have a good presentation, just things of that sort. My roommate's awesome for it. Thomas, I've known him since I was dang three years old. Like I come home and I'm like, I need to do something. That. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's just one of those things where like I've always been a big a big advocate for like support your friends because I've been in, when I first moved to Seattle, shoot, I was talking to nobody. Like it wasn't because like, you know, we were all busy trying to figure it out. I just moved, moved on to my professional life. My other friends were trying to figure out what they wanted to do work-wise. If they wanted to go back to school, like there's all these different things going on. So they didn't have the time. Plus I was three hours behind everybody. So I was feeling pretty, pretty lonely. And, um, it came to like my attention and it, just dawned on me that I was like, I need to be supporting my friends just as they support myself. Because just because I'm the only one who's, you know, or the only one who seems like they're out here doing big things, like doesn't mean that other people aren't in their own lives. And everyone has these big events that go on in their own lives. So, you know me, I always, I've been a big fan of like celebrating you when big things happen. I'm a big fan. I know, which is so nice. And I love celebrating you, so which is why I'm so happy to do this podcast again. I'm like, well, I appreciate it. Yes, I need a friend in every sector. It helps right now. Corona. I need a doctor friend. I don't have one. I realize <laughs> <laughs> we need to get you one ASAP. I know. I'm like, I, I know lawyers and people that work at Deloitte, and I'm like going through my head. And one of my best friends, she's being a, becoming a doctor, but she's a doctor of education. I'm like, no, I need a medical doctor friend, and I have yeah. no one. Got my podcaster friend now, so diversify, diversify that circle. I was was talking to my buddies this morning, and we were like, uh, one of my buddies just got his residency for uh, med school, so he's getting white coated. Oh wow! We were like, 
yeah, super excited for him. And we were like, dang, we literally got one friend group in every industry, like whether it's tech, whether it's yeah. you know, cryptocurrency, whether it's banking, whether it's retail, like we got them everywhere now medical. So I'm, I'm yeah. with you, like expand yeah. that network. <laughs> Definitely. But I got one last question for you, Simone, before sure. I let you go. Um, and I think you know how this goes. I got, if you had two to three tips for me or any random stranger that you ever met and felt willing enough to talk to um, about just anything, whether it be career, life, uh, social, you know, coronavirus, non-coronavirus, <laughs> what, what tips would you have uh, for the people today? Oh, my two tips. Um, I think staying on topic and focus for me. My mind is just like accelerator program and raising capital. Um, never give up. The majority, obviously, to me is such a great tip um, that people, you know, it's it's probably great to feel like you can have an influx of cash. And hopefully one day I get to that point where someone's offering you an obscene amount of money to take majority, but never give up the majority and um, always read the contract because I'm thinking of Megan the Stallion now and she was like wanted to renegotiate it and talks broke down. But yeah, definitely never give up the majority and always read the contracts to me um, are very important in terms of like entrepreneurship. So. I love that. Sorry. I have to respond to this real quickly. Um, no, but I love that because it's like one thing that I, my dad being an entrepreneur, like growing up, that was the one thing that he always taught me. Like, and, and I would say that I was lucky because my dad is an entrepreneur. You know You're what I mean? so like, lucky. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who have gone out on entrepreneurial ventures who are doing it all on their own. Their dad's a corporate man. Their mom's a corporate corporate woman or, you know, stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, something of that sort. But they're not an entrepreneur. They don't own anything of their own, a business of their own. And, um, you know, I just – they come to me for advice at times and I come to them for advice. Like my buddy Zach, he's an amazing, amazing, like, podcaster, YouTuber. Um, he doesn't like talking about it, so I'm not going to mention like any of his channels, but he is my best friend since growing up. And I go to him all the time for digital marketing because I'm like, yo, like my SEO sucks. I need your help. <laughs> my social sucks. I need your help. And he's like, bro, you're a marketer. And I'm like, I can tell people a brand strategy, but how they execute it, I don't know. Right? Like I'm a strategist. <laughs> I'm not an executor. And it's just, the, it's the fact, it's just the truth. And um, I go to him for that. But at times, like, you know, Zach doesn't really come to me for much, but some of my other buddies who are going out on entrepreneurial ventures, they're like, yo, like, how should I think through this? Or do you have a lawyer that I could talk to for this? Or do you know somebody who I could talk to about this or this or this? And I'm lucky enough to have the network because my dad has an accountant and a lawyer right, and all these right. other people because he had to being an entrepreneur. And the one thing that he always told me, we'd be in long car rides coming back from who knows where in Alabama or Tennessee or Florida or wherever. And he'd be like, all right, Chase, like if you ever own a business, like I, I would feel so bad if I, if I never told you this, but never give up the majority. Never. Because never. once you give up the majority, your voice doesn't get heard anymore. And people go, well, I own 51% and you only own 49%. So my decision is the only one that matters. And I'm the only other, other one that has a vote and my vote weighs more than yours and all these other things. And he was like, so you never want to do that. And he was like, and I was lucky enough to never give up more than majority of any of my businesses. But at the same time, I would never want to be in that situation where I left corporate America because I was, you know, tired of people telling me what to do. And now I'm butchering his words, but it's like tired of telling of people telling me what to do and working for a boss and having somebody else tell me exactly what I need to be doing. So I went on this entrepreneurial venture 
I started my own business and I'm working for myself. And then I got money hungry and someone bought out more than half of my business. And next thing you know, I'm working for somebody else again. But now I'm working on my baby, something that I started from the beginning and being told to do by somebody who didn't have something to do with it. So, right, exactly. And it's like, damn, like, and that one hits home for me. And I hope that hits home for everybody who's at least thinking about having their own venture because you do it because you want to own it. You do it because you want to be the one who sees it go all the way through. And if that's not the reason that you did it, if you did this because you want to buy out plan, right? I know so many people who are going into like app making and, you know, other things right. of that sort where and it comes into their, like, yeah, that's your first thought. It's like, oh, I want to be bought out. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I'm going to get bought out by this tech company or I'm going to get bought out by this, this app company or something of that sort. Like my buddy Howard owns a tech company and that is not his exit strategy. And like, it's, it's cool to see them kind of like continue to grow and build and what they have going on. And for me, I'm just like, it's interesting because I do have some buddies who are going in with this kind of like buyout strategy. And I wonder what their pitch decks look like, because at the end of the day, like they don't want to work on it. They're like, oh no, we've raised all this money and we're going to get this going. And then we're going to, we want this to go off. And then we want you guys to run it. Right. Right. Like it's just such a completely different conversation. So anyways, long story short, uh, both of those hit home for me and I really appreciate it. Um, Yeah guys, don't give up the majority. Don't give up the majority. And then did you have one more tip for us? Uh, I said, don't give up the majority and always read the contract. Always. Uh, and the fine print. Holy crap. That goes for everything. Whether it is uh, entrepreneurial venture. It, I'm serious. Like jobs, right? Like there are so many times where people are, I'm going to say, call it lazy. And they just forget to change things in the contract because they're like, oh, well, you know, this person won't even realize it. Like, for example you're getting a new job offer. You negotiate with the recruiter on your job salary and your PTO. And they come back with a revised offer and they're like, all right, here's the final revised offer, blah, blah, blah. And the one thing that's messed up is the PTO days. And you forget to read all the way through the contract. (laughs) And now you're without a week of PTO. And they're like, well, on your, on your PTO, like on your job offer, you only signed for 15 days instead of 20. And you're looking at yourself pissed because you're like, all I have to do is read. (laughs) You know what I mean? That has never happened to me personally. I was like, that sounded, that sounded very specific. I was about to say. Well, that's the only like, you know, when you talk about contracts, I'm sure your legal contracts are a lot, lot longer than anything I could have ever read through. The longest contract I've ever read through was uh, terms and conditions for a sweepstakes. And that was 50 pages <laughs> worth of contract. Simone, when I, tell you, when I tell you that I was literally like, are you, and they're like, Chase, we need you to read through every single thing of this to make sure it's right. And I was like, Oh my God. And a lot of it was repetitive, but I found so many things within that contract that were wrong where I was like, Oh, like, I'm so glad I read through this. Right. But long story short, like it could only behoove you to take the time. And this is, I mean, it goes all the way back to our our whole conversation. Preparation is key. And if there's one thing that you could do is do yourself a favor and do the due diligence, read the damn contract, read it guys, read through every single line, understand it and know what you're getting into. Because at the end of the day, you need to understand that. And it's only going to help you be prepared. So that way, when you go into your job, you know how many days of PTO you have, you know what your salary <laughs> is, you know exactly what type of job deal you're getting into, right? Or job deal, or what type of deal you're getting into if it comes to owning a business and you're dealing with, you know, investors or angel investors or anything of that sort. So anyways, like I said earlier, 
Simone, thank you so much. This was a, a lot of fun. And we're going to have another. Thanks for having me. Our serial entrepreneur, Simone. I know. <laughs> In two more years, I'll be like, I sold the company for $500 million. And you'll be like, what? You said that to I'm not I'm starting relief funds in Africa because I moved out here. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I'll text you later. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, make sure to leave us a review. Go ahead and check us out on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Millennial Way. And check out our website at itsmillennialtalk.com where there's new blog posts and updates. We will see you next Winning Wednesday. Go grab those dubs. This is The Millennial Way, tailoring the next generation of leaders.